Knack knack. Who's there? Uh, yeah, I'd rather not share that with you. Hey, no sweat. Come on in. Make yourself at home and take anything you want. Wait, you wouldn't let a stranger in your house. Why would you let anonymous traffic scrape your website? Introducing IP Info's Privacy Detection API, a fast and simple way to detect malicious traffic. Activate your free trial today at ipinfo.io. And don't forget to use the promo code CODESTORY at checkout. It was a lot of fun to just, you know, go from nothing and, and to a Figma sketch. It's like now when I think about when we were making the research for the Figma sketches, like we were actually, it was like a really hot summer. So we were spending quite a lot of time, not in the office, but actually at the beach. <laughs> so we were sitting there working at the beach, making our sketches and thinking about like, okay, how are our users gonna deposit money? Oh, right, you need to add the card. Okay, we need a screen for adding a card. And yeah, it was a very organic process. My name is Olga Stan, and I'm the CTO of Tangy Market. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Olga Stern built the platform for investing in music rights, empowering creators and everyday investors. All this and more on Code Story. Olga Stern considers herself an onion with a lot of different layers. She loves to try out new things, which has produced a lot of different hobbies in her life, like underwater rugby, floor hockey, knitting, and squash. She splits her time 50% in Stockholm and the other half in a small village up north in a skiing area. She's currently into ski touring. When you hike up the mountain, don't use a lift and earn your turn. Olga's co-founder has a PhD in financial flows specifically for the music industry. She decided to pursue the democratization of music rights and create new assets for anyone to invest in. Olga joined her and started building out what would become their mobile app. This is the creation story of Tangy Market. Tangy Market is an online marketplace where anyone can invest in music royalties. And on the marketplace, if you are a creator of music, for example, if you write songs or record songs, or if you're an artist, then you can get kind of like an advance from our market. It's a way to democratize the music industry by giving more financial power to the creators, but it also opens up music as a new asset class and makes it available not just for like a small group of people. You probably heard about like Bruce Springsteen, for example, and Shakira, I think. They have all sold their catalogs. People are discovering that music is a huge asset class and it's like so much money in it. But up until now, it's only been available for this small group of like super rich people. And we're actually making uh, making it available for anybody who can download an app. The founder of our company, Linda, she has a PhD in financial flows in the music industry. Uh, and while she was doing her PhD, she realized that like there's a problem. People like the creators aren't getting enough paid and the money is maybe not being distributed quite fairly. 
She heard about this idea that you could actually take music and spread it out, kind of, and make it an investment for other people, and at the same time create an advance for those who need the money right here, right now. Because usually, what happens if you are a creator in music, you write a song and then maybe you record it, and that takes a lot of time here and now. But you don't get paid for your work until like kind of a long time after. And if you think about like a whole lifetime of a song, then usually you don't get paid like all of it at once. You have to wait like year after year uh, when it plays on the radio or, or gets streamed, and that's when you get paid. And instead of having to wait for all that money, you can get it in one chunk, and that way you can make an investment. So, for example, we've had artists on our platform that, with the money that they've taken in from investors, they've actually hired producers to. And make their next album, or somebody bought a synthesizer to make new music. So this is kind of a way to help the ecosystem of the music industry. So tell me about your MVP, that first product you built. How long did it take to build, and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? I started at the company in May 2020. We had a proof of concept that was made before me, and that was tested a little bit. But we realized that we had to go back to the drawing table and just like figure out exactly like what would our MVP be. I'm a back-end developer, so like front-end and design is is not my strong suit. But <laughs> as with everything in life, I try to do my best, and sometimes it works okay. And so. We just started to think about like all the flows, all the user flows that needed to be there, and all the screens that needed to be there, and all of the functionality that was like essential. And we started drawing it up in Figma. We just went from there with our Figma sketches. We could then uh, hire a design company that helped us develop which colors we should use and how to make our app feel like us. At the same time, we started working with some really good front-end developers as well, and so I think we did the first commit in Git in September, and we launched in March. So it was like six very intense months of building stuff. It was a lot of fun to just, you know, go from nothing and and to a Figma sketch. And it's like now when I think about when we were making the research for the Figma sketches, like we were actually it was like a really hot summer, so we were spending quite a lot of time not in the office but actually at the beach. <laughs> so we were sitting there working at the beach, making our sketches, and thinking about like, okay, how are our users gonna deposit money? Oh right, you need to add the card. Okay, we need a screen for adding a card and. Yeah, it was a very organic process, but I have like quite a lot of experience from before of like developing uh, software, so that came really in handy of like not thinking about like non-essential things. When we launched, we didn't have a function for resetting passwords, so our users couldn't do that. And I think we re we released that function maybe like one or two months after we launched, and nobody had asked for that feature. I was very proud about that that prior prioritization, and it's all of those like little things that you remove that actually let you launch your product kind of on time. 
you've got your MVP and it's working. You've got it, you know, built and designed on the beach, and now you've now you've got it ready to ship or, or shipped and, and it's working. Tell me how you progressed the product from there and how you matured it. And I think to put that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how did you go about building your roadmap? And how'd you go about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build? I, I think in order to talk about that, uh, I need to go back a little bit and just talk about the tech. I mean, it's a big choice to make, like what tech are you going to use when building an app from scratch? And we decided to run everything on AWS and with uh, like the back end is built up on uh, Lambda services. So it's very kind of like microservice architecture and it's distributed. We're using a lot of queues and stuff and we have an API and all of those things, we use a technology called serverless application model or SAM for short, which makes it like really, really easy to deploy new functionality. Thanks to kind of us choosing that technology, it was quite simple for us to uh, add new features because it was only like, okay, we need to add a new Lambda function and attach an API route to it. And then it's there. And, and then we just need to have like something in the app that the users can interact with this new API endpoint. That made it quite easy for us to kind of have a reality where, okay, we at least we don't have to struggle with like, how are we gonna add like new things and how are we gonna do it in a kind of sustainable way. Going from there, We've just been trying to listen to our users as much as we can. When we launched, one thing that we actually prioritized very, very high up our list was to have some kind of like communications channel with our users so that it was like really, really easy for them to get in touch with us because we figured that if it's easy for them to get in touch, then they'll let us know when <laughs> things aren't working and also be like when they're missing something. So we've had like quite a few users reaching out to us and letting us know that like, oh, it would be really cool if you could see graphs. Uh, and it would be really cool if you could have like a notification. So that has been quite an important source for us of uh, building the roadmap to kind of listen to our users because in the end, I mean, we're making this product for the users. So it's really important that we're building features that they want and also that they're feeling heard and that like we're there. I can feel like when I'm using a lot of apps or, or like uh, services, it feels like there aren't any like humans behind it. And so for us, that has been like a really important factor to kind of have the availability and being there for our users. For the roadmap, our users have been a big thing, but also there are a lot of investment app out there. and. I would almost say it's like, it would be irresponsible of us not to get inspired by people who are building similar things or things kind of in the same area. Because if you think about like all the user research that has gone down and all the time and money and blood and sweat and tears that other people have invested, people look at each other's app to get inspirations of, of like, okay, what is possible to build and what does like users seem to want. So we tried to check out some other similar apps as well. 
but also to kind of look ahead and think about what uh, potential investors would see as as smart steps from our side. Okay, well, let's let's switch to team then, Olga. So how do you go about building your team? And, and what do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? When you're a small company, you're, it's like, it's so important to find the right people. And it's also, if you find the right person, it becomes so much more clear so fast. And also the same, like if you find the wrong person, it becomes very clear, very fast. Like if you're a small team. Uh, I would say it's like super important if you're a big team as well to have like good people. There's been so much uh, talking about to hire for like um, culture fit that it's like so important that, okay, we've established our culture now and now we want to kind of uh, intensify it and grow it because like all of us here feel that this is the best culture and everybody's thriving and we want to attract similar people. But actually we've started to think a lot about instead of culture fit, that it's more important to actually think about culture ad and think about like, okay, what are we missing? in our culture like could we add somebody who actually would give us more dimensions and and give us other viewpoints so like culture ad is a very important thing for us and also uh, communication skills because since i'm myself i'm working like uh, 50% remote at the moment uh, from from the ski hills <laughs> uh, it's it's really important that the people feel included and that everybody are up to speed on what's going on so like communication skills is really really important i mean without that you you can't do much <laughs> i would say we've been talking a lot in our team about like having a growth mindset and how it's okay to like feel that maybe oh that person isn't in my area but they know more about this topic than I do and that makes me kind of feel I don't know bad in some way maybe I feel jealous or maybe I feel sad and just to be able to like identify that and to bring that up and to talk about it and we're working a lot with that in our team and that makes us kind of really really strong together that's kind of apart from, you know, just pure knowledge base or talent or whatever you would like to call it. Like in a startup, you don't always have the possibility to, for example, like uh, have the same salaries you would at like a big competitor company. So the pool is also limited, but it's a strength to kind of be able to see maybe like strengths in people and also to have to give like people the opportunity. I was just a simple backend developer before I joined Tangy Market and Linda gave me the opportunity to become the CTO and to be an architect like for real. I don't think that like if if I would have joined a bigger company maybe I would have become like a CTO and architect sure but maybe I wouldn't have become that like so fast i think it's really important to give people the opportunity to grow and opportunity to succeed 
it's important in teams to be able to look and see where your gaps are from a company standpoint, because it's really easy, like you're saying, to be like, yeah, I like this person, be fun to work with them, I want to work with them, which is super valuable too. But there's also, you got to fill in the gaps of, of your team. So I, re- I relate to that one. So let's flip to scalability then. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or are you fighting this as you grow? And I kind of have a gut feeling where you're going to go with it, but tell me about that. From the beginning, we thought that like, okay, we want to take over the world. And if you're not thinking that when you have a startup, then maybe you should work at a startup. You need to have like some kind of hubris. (laughs) So if you don't have the hubris, you probably won't build a system that will scale to be able to, you know, handle thousands and thousands and millions of users. From the get-go, kind of, that was our mission, to like build a system on a platform that uh, we could easily scale. Everything is serverless, everything is functions, so basically we just have to, you know, flip a switch to kind of be able to accommodate more users, more requests, and more transactions going on. Of course, even though like, you know, I did my best, but it's obviously not perfect because like I am a human after all. And so sometimes you find these like small little hiccups or bugs that are like, hmm, okay, this actually worked for like these many requests. But when we did it like times a thousand, this weird thing happened. So of course you need to adjust. And I mean, I think it's impossible to build like the perfect system from day one, but that has been our goal. So that has also been like what we've had in mind while building this. Okay, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think I'm uh, most proud of that it's actually in production and that it's working and that we have real users and it's functioning and it's functioning well because uh, I don't know if it's just my personality or or something that I, I think that like a lot of developers struggle with but it's so hard to you know have this you open Visual Studio Code you create a new project and you start like okay I'm gonna you know, create a new file and start writing. And to go from there and actually have kind of nothing for quite a long time and to just like write your code and write your code and and not until you're actually in production, you feel that like, wow, okay, I have achieved this. Like I have completed like the first part of this mission. And I would say that is what I'm actually most proud of that our team went from this like idea from discussions in a room to sketches to figma um, sketches to prototypes and to an actual working app and that people use and and like our users are very excited about about our app so i would say that i actually like you know managed to get it in production Maybe it's my procrastinating nature that makes it feel like extra nice for me because like I am a huge procrastinator and I have a hard time to like finishing things. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. 
Okay, I have a good example. It's it's a bit tying back to culture ad kind of aspect. And since we're like quite liberal with the culture ad, we hired not an intern, but it was a person who was going to like help us with some uh, data analysis uh, during the summer. And that person was a bit older in their 60s and they had been working in this like huge company. Like I'm talking tens of thousands of people who were working there. When that person like started working in our tiny team where maybe we don't have like routines or processes or you know like stuff that has to be there for a huge company and that became quite a cultural crash <laughs> and also like from that person's perspective they didn't get what they wanted from us because we couldn't be available all the time to answer all of their questions and they were not maybe used to working in an environment where like okay you have to find out a lot of things for yourself i mean of course it's it's always okay to ask but maybe you have to do like more stuff by yourself and and there aren't that many like resources in the form of like i don't know documentation and stuff like that from that we learned that like this is something we need to talk about in the kind of hiring process it's not only you know what is the actual task because like during the interview that like this is the kind of funny part is that during the interviews our team and that person we were like so excited to be doing this particular project because uh, that person was excited to be able to, you know, do something without 10 levels of management above them and to be able to do stuff. And we were also like super happy about having this like very, very talented person with a lot of experience. But then it ended up like not going that well at all because our expectations were just like not matching at all. Um, so we've taken that to kind of our... Uh, hiring process and to talk about stuff like that and talk about communications a lot and kind of, you know, expectation management. So with with Tangy Market, what does the future look like for the product and for your team? The product, of course, uh, we want it to grow. You know, we want to add <laughs> all the features, <laughs> of course. If, if you think about it, like all the investment apps, what do they do? Well, you can invest money in an asset. So for example, if you talk about uh, Robinhood or the Swedish version of it, which is Avanza or Nordnet, like you would think that, okay, how big can this app be? You just wanna see available companies that you can invest in and then you can buy shares. But there's so much more you want to do. And that's kind of where we're heading to bring a lot of information about music and, and music as an asset class to the general public and educate them about like, how does it work? What is copyright? What is royalties? All of those things, but also being able to, you know, maybe follow your favorite investor and see how other investors are doing or what strategies they have. And also to be able to see like historical data, comparing music to, like regular stocks, but also to other asset classes such as like gold or coffee or oranges. The ideas and the possibilities are kind of limitless, I would say. There's so much more that we can do. 
and talking about our team. We're so ready to just grow. We've actually, like right now, we're uh, working with offshoring. So we have a team in Ukraine with extremely talented developers. And we've also learned so much from them about communicating. They're just so used to working 100% remote. So I've never uh, worked with developers who are so good at communicating about like, oh, so this is the new feature. Here's the specification. Here's like a video of it. Like, do you have any uh, comments, add-ons and stuff like that? And I don't know if in the future, like if we are going to scale that and also add more people to our team here in Sweden or like go international, but we definitely want to scale up and grow. Well, let's switch to you, Olga. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many people or something that you look up to and why. I used to be kind of active on Twitter, but that was like a long time ago, uh, like tech Twitter. But maybe I have to say, like, of course, I get a lot of like a lot of inspiration from my colleagues because they are all so smart and humble and and just like you know move mountains every day our team has been working out of a co- co-working space for a long time that's very inspirational to be around people who are doing other cool things and who are like achieving stuff and who are building things that haven't been built before, or in some cases they have been built before, but still like surrounding yourself with smart people. Forgot to mention in the beginning, I've actually uh, written a book about programming or like the history of programming. What is like very interesting about the research that I did for that is that a lot of the people who made these like big breakthroughs or who achieved like huge things, like for example, like Margaret Hamilton, who was one of the developers for the moon lander in the Apollo program, or for example, Grace Hopper, who like invented the compiler, and there are many, many more. All of them are like so humble and like, yeah, I did this, but I couldn't have done it without my team. And I think usually I get m- much more inspired, you know, like by people I'm working with and and how we are achieving things together more than maybe you know somebody who is famous person because all of these like huge giants i mean yeah they've done really cool things and and of course they they are doing really cool things but still there are so many things that i don't know about them like i only see this one side you you kind of get to only see the kind of the instagram side of people And I think it's so much more inspiring to see people like real people who are sometimes struggling, sometimes not, and and they have flaws and they have these amazing sides. And it's like watching this complete person doing something that I think inspires me the most. Okay, we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach? I think I have a tendency to maybe, you know, instead of climbing the ladder one step at a time, I want to do like 10 steps at once. Sometimes when like I'm designing or building stuff, I can get a little bit too much like, oh, I need to, 
make it not perfect, but you know, like do this like very elegant and cool technical solution on the first try instead of just like okay I can do it a little bit like cheap and ugly on the first try and then I can make it you know better and refactor and make it smarter along the way so in the beginning like I both struggled and I also like put down quite a lot of time on understanding and making sense of the documentation for AWS. I don't know if you've had the <laughs> unpleasure to work with AWS documentation. I mean, it's it's not written for people, for humans, and it's probably not written, written by humans, but I was banging my head against the wall and trying to set up this like environment deploying stuff and maybe I should have just, you know, like started a little bit easier instead of struggling so much with that. But then on the other side, because I did, like the second that we went into production, we already had, you know, like a development environment and a production environment, and it was like super easy to deploy both of them. But maybe not overcomplicating things, which is probably a little bit how I talk also. <laughs> I've heard from people. <laughs> Well, last question, Olga. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? I would say, like, uh, don't let people get you down. You will probably get a million no's before you get a yes. And, like, that's a normal thing. I don't know like what the statistics are for you know the Venn diagram between like programmer and entrepreneur but I think there's quite a high amount of programmers who are entrepreneurs and I think like one reason might be that you know as a like developer like your computer says no so many times to you like stuff won't work for so many times like you don't even think about how many times things don't work before they actually do work. So you're kind of used to, at least your computer is saying no to you like all the time. And as an entrepreneur, that's also a thing that happens a lot. Like people say no and like, oh, we're not interested and this is not for us. As a developer, maybe you get this like perseverance of just like trying and trying and trying until you succeed. Be patient and persevere and you will get a yes down the line. That's great advice. Well, Olga, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Tangy Market. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun and it uh, brought up a lot of pleasant memories. <laughs> and this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.